killers, demons, ghosts outside Screaming you can run but you can't hide You can't scare me, I'm already dead inside Lucky McKee Luck, luck, Lucky McKee What kind of a name is that? <laughs> it's the best name in the world I'm so excited He's so lucky He's McKee, but he cries, 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 cries. When he doesn't get to make movies. Because he hasn't made a lot of movies. If there's no one killing in my life, then, then why do... I'm do- You gotta... Anyways. <laughs> I'm already like musically directing you. Yes, you are. At the start of the app. Welcome to episode 70, everyone. That's how it starts, apparently. Mm-hmm. It's Tex Chris Davesaw. And here we are. We are going to watch the movie May. May we? Uh, may we. May we watch May? We may. Thank you. We may, if you're good. We're really getting into tongue twisters <laughs> lately. <laughs> but um, yes, so we're watching May today. It was made in 2003? Slash two? two? It's two. one of those funky, what year is it? I hate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked all about that, so I won't get back into it. But yeah, so it's a slasher right here, directed by Luck Luck Lucky McKee. Yeah, it's a fan recommendation. This was one mm. that one of you scaredy cats told us to watch when we did our end of year survey at the end of year one. Mm-hmm. So it's all on you. Yeah, if you suggested in our year end survey that we watch May, this is your fault this episode. So enjoy. Yeah, hope we hope we enjoy it. Um, I have I do remember seeing this one on mm-hmm. the video store shelves a lot. Uh, I don't remember that, but I do remember looking into it a million times. Yeah, yeah. it's one that's just has lingered. I don't yeah. think it was a huge theatrical release. I think it no, did. It, like, it had like a tiny little release. Yeah, it yeah. did a few film festivals, mm-hmm. but then really did well on VHS Yeah, and DVD. Mm-hmm. Just that, that video release. And uh, the one thing that stuck out to me that always sticks out to me, but I never watch it because I generally, for whatever reason, do not watch slashers in my spare time. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that stood out to me about it is Roger Ebert gave it four out of four. Loved it. I he saw that loved too. Loved the shit about it. He thinks it's one of the best. Um, and it made, I think, um, I don't remember what the website was, but it's it's on several lists that I've seen of like scariest movies of all time. Yeah, it keeps coming up. It's one that um, just we're always kind of aware of and never get to. And now we have an opportunity because of a fan recommendation to finally sit down and give it some attention. Yeah, it's great. It's it's in a good wheelhouse, too. I like I like movies like horror movies from the 2000s Mm. because I didn't watch too many of them for some reason. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I yeah. feel like I watched most of them. Yeah, that's, that's right when we were 14, that, 15. And, and it could just be that there's so many that it were so contemporary that the names would have existed and I would have heard about them in a contemporary sense mm-hmm. that maybe it feels like I've just lost so many of them. But I mean, so many of these ones seem new to me. Right. You know, and they often are where I end up in my own personal searches. Yeah. And this is such an interesting time for movies in general, but especially horror movies where we don't yet have like the streaming or the Netflix explosion mm-hmm. of yeah. indie studios coming yeah. up. But there's these titles like May that did well and that managed to get a kind of cult status and pretty wide distribution despite limited theatrical release yeah. at a time where we didn't have immediate access to it. Yeah. It was like this in-between time. Like a testament to the fact that video stores back in the day did their job. They got movies a huge following. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd want to get your cartridge out there into into those video stores because people would end up taking it home when everything else was, you know, rented. Absolutely. Follows a young, lonely woman traumatized by a difficult childhood and her increasingly desperate attempts to connect with the people around her. Mm-hmm. That's super vague. Yeah. I've, I've read a, a lot more. That. I've read a little more just over time mm-hmm. about this movie. And now that we've seen it, I feel like, uh, although I don't think it'll be quite as up there, but I think it's going to be like a voices kind of feel to it. 
Mm, interesting. Yeah, that's that's always been my opinion of the movie. I saw the word Frankenstein come up a bunch too, mm-hmm. as if that is somehow tied into this plot in yeah. some interesting way. So I'm yeah, which, curious to see what that's going to be all about. Yeah, it kind of takes me back to pieces. I feel like there might be something yeah. coming there. Oh, that'd be nice. Mm-hmm. That'd be nice. I think we'll see something like that. Um, but before that, let's do a little bit of... Uh, Scary Town. Uh, what did you what did you watch this week, Dave? Or what do you have to share with us for Scare and Tell? So for this week, um, Scare and Tell, I've just been picking my way th- mostly through Dracula. I haven't had a ton of time to watch movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so How's that coming along? Oh my God, it is such a good book. Mm-hmm. It is so scary. Uh, like all the characters feel either so ignorant to the danger that's about to like hit them or so powerless. Um, all the, just this count, this character is so frightening. Mm-hmm. And you'd like you hear about like a creature or a beast in the night or a roar or some tall figure and you're like, this motherfucker's everywhere. Yeah. Like this is one of the best romps. How far, how far are you? What's what's happened now? I'm close to a third of the way through the book. I'm around there. And, uh, Mina just went to visit Jonathan who's suffering a brain fever. Okay. Yeah. I love like Helsing's like academic commentary of the whole process too, right? He's like trying to be as objective and he's like describing events as he's seeing them Mm -hmm. to convey them to like a future reader. Yeah. It's such a great way to deliver this horror story. All of them, everyone who's involved, like all the people, it's either through correspondence and letters, writings in a journal or write personal writings in a medical journal. Yeah. It's just, it's so much more like a sober way to experience Mm -hmm. this horror than have a character freak out or something like that. Yeah. And you know that this is such a strange way to do horror, but like, you know that at the end of each scene or sequence they're writing about it after it's happened mm-hmm. so they're either okay or it's like a piece of paper that's been discovered been or discovered later and you don't know what's happened past that or beyond that or you do know what's happened already because right. because you were there when it happened a uh, guy is so so creepy i'm loving this book that's awesome um but yeah i didn't have a ton of time to watch um, too many movies because i was um, making preparations to bring home a couple new family members into my house dave has had twins (laughs) y'all so let's say uh, congratulations to little freddie and little jason (laughs) (laughs) oh adorable um i those are not their names Mm -hmm. oh no no Oh, I didn't get a say in what to name these things. <laughs> no, um, their names are Crabbeth and Crabigail, and they are my. And new, why is that? They are my new little crabs. I got some hermit crabs, and they're they're adorable. You got to post them. Yeah, just I, so the scary cats can see what these little yeah maybe scrappy motherfuckers are like. It's so I'm gonna like put weird creepy stuff on their their shells for around Halloween. Just like glue <laughs> stuff on the back and then walk around. It's so maybe great. some googly eyes just yeah. on each one. We're gonna get a big like shell costume and put it on the cat. That's amazing. Uh, there, All three have, of them. Yeah, we have so many plans for these crabs. Um, What's the? Where did this come from? I, I've never heard you once talk about hermit crabs. Yeah, I've I've kept my uh, my hobbyist interests to myself about hermit crabs. But I find them fascinating and adorable, and the concept of you know the fact they don't have a, a little home, they got to go find one, mm-hmm. and as they grow, they got to switch it out, and that they'll use garbage and stuff like that. Yeah, that just seems like a like a one of a kind creature. Like if turtles had to find their own shell, people would love them way more. They would? Yeah, because there'd be like little naked turtles for one second <laughs> in the wild. Uh, of course people would love that. And we have them. They're like, they're non-aggressive. Like, they're just curious and they're scared and they go in their shell and they look like they're scared of you, but then they come out and they look curious. They got a lot of personality and Jody did not, was not interested at all. She's like, no, I'm very skeptical about this decision. And in 30 minutes, just fell in love. Was on board? Uh, she loves them. Who's her favorite? It's probably Crabby Gale. What's wrong with Gravitha? She's just bigger and maybe not as pretty. Oh, okay. Yeah. But she's got good personality? 
I, I think so. She seems like a very inquisitive crab. Okay, sweet, sweet, sweet. Yeah, yeah. Nice, awesome, man. So, a new chapter <laughs> yeah. in Dave Saw's life. Yeah. Um. So we'll be giving fruit. Snapchat's going to be a good place for crabs. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so come watch Dave's crabs. Scaredy cats. If you are interested in seeing my crabs, uh, find us on Snapchat. We're text Chris Dave Saw. The only thing that you've ever alluded to with crabs in the past is calling our scaredy cats scaredy crabs mm-hmm. sometimes you do that <laughs> yeah that's i'd say once every 10 times a little bit of my interest leaking out mm. mm-hmm. so what was your week like in horror let's do some scary tell well this is a very literary week because i read and want to share with you mm-hmm. uh the haunting of hill house by shirley jackson oh awesome i cool. did yeah consumed uh, it mm-hmm. it was a page turner just read it right up it's like uh, 180 pages or something like that mm-hmm. um and it was a wonderful reading experience yeah yeah i truly I see like the book was written in 1959 and so many of like our tropes of haunted house movies all the way up to James Wan and Sinister. Yeah. I see a lot of those in this novel, like in this first novel mm-hmm. at the same time, there's not, not a lot happens, which makes me very curious for this Mike Flanagan mini series. Like I can't imagine how you would stretch this out into six episodes. It seems kind of bizarre to me because there's only like four or five true kind of jarring things that happen. And then just kind of like a, it's got a fantastic ending. Like where it lands is, is just great. Okay. So well, I can see how a creative director like will probably just jam more stuff in. It oh, than, totally. And, yeah. and there are certain like elements that are visually described that I think are perfect for Mike Flanagan mm-hmm. to direct. No, like cool. I'm like, I can already see, oh, he's probably going to do some, one of his weird inverted light things here because it's uh, kind of aptly described and delivered. Like there's just a few moments of that almost seem like they're out of a Mike Flanagan film when whoa. I'm reading the pages. Yeah. It's cool that like when you like, I don't know, see enough of a, an artist's work, you know, you see enough of enough Flanagan movies, mm-hmm. you get a taste for how he directs. That's like learning his own personal directing language so much so that when you read other stories, you can read them in the language of a director and sort of, Absolutely. he'd probably do it like this. He'd probably do the shot. That's he, cool as shit, man. And it's super cool for just such a young director. Who's only like, he's been putting out a ton of films, mm-hmm. but who's only been putting out films for four or five or six years yeah. to already like have such a definitive style and approach that, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it's crazy. It, it is crazy. And so, even, sorry, what were we going to ask? Uh, I, I just more about, I don't know much about the story. Oh, it's just, um, so did you see the haunting in like 98 or 2000? Uh, maybe with Catherine Zeta Jones. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. 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 That's based on this novel. Okay. So it's the idea of a doctor and it's now familiar trope Mm -hmm. getting four or five people into a haunted house and they're going to record their experiences. Yes. So he's trying to find people who are like more susceptible to the paranormal for some reason, like something in their history Mm -hmm. to try to elicit some kind of a supernatural response from this house. And the main doctor is taking a very academic approach to how do we deal with this? Like I want to try to like record just my observations and not right. be swept away with it and do as diligently as I can. So it's just like 1408, right? Yeah. That same yeah, idea yeah. of someone who's a skeptic but wants to go in and now finally they meet, they meet their match kind of thing. Yeah. That's fucking awesome, dude. That sounds great. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to go watch The Haunting again. And um, the there's an original The Haunting from 1963, I believe, that's also based on the story. Oh, cool. But one thing that um, did come to mind when I was reading this was I was reminded about... Um, reading another Shirley Jackson short story in high school called The Lottery. Have you ever read the short story? Yes, I know The Lottery. Yeah. That's where they throw the stones. Yeah. Yeah. And I had totally forgotten about this experience, but that was one of the first things that I read that really got me excited about literature when I was in grade 11 or 12. Yeah. I remember being assigned this and actually doing my homework that night for some reason (laughs) and reading through and just being so floored by the ending. Like, and just being like taken aback that stories can do this. Like it was such a cheeky, beautiful, bright 
like nice innocent story all the way through and for it to take an insane dark turn and for me to not be aware about that and just to experience that first on it kind of broke my brain a little bit the first time you got like shamaland exactly <laughs> and so yeah i've read this now and now i've got a collection of short stories of hers um with the lottery in it awesome. and a bunch of other ones so i'm gonna go through those next i think i it's such a simple name but i've i could never remember what that story was called like the lottery the yeah. lottery I'm like, I know it's something with like a draw or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could never think of the name. I remember reading that. We read high that aloud. Or... Um, yeah, it was in high school. It was in uh, um, creative writing class, right? which is a good place for it. And I remember we read it out loud, like, you know, where different students like read. Of course, yeah. We did that the whole way through the story and that was it. That's amazing. That was just as an example. A of... plus to that teacher and yeah. to my teacher. Yeah. Because that's such a great a great thing to bring in like yeah. young minds, get them excited about different things literature can do. Yeah. Or just devastate the afternoon of a bunch of people. <laughs> it is grim. I remember yeah. like just being really taken aback and blown away yeah. by that story. I, I remember thinking that like, those are the kind of things I want to write. Those are the things that I like. Mm-hmm. You know, that Exactly. Like circle. Like they're not, it's not the most craziest, exciting thing in the world, but it just so, goes against what you thought it so tricks you mm-hmm. yeah Ugh, so satisfying i love yeah. that i love that you brought that up yeah so i'm excited to read um other things that she's done this was all really mm-hmm. brought about because i was looking at a list of best in an effort we both made a resolution to read more this year yep i was looking at best <laughs> um non-fiction books of last year and one of them was a shirley jackson biography oh so cool i also am on a wait list for that at the library Sweet. but that just kind of has spawned oh well, i'll read her actual work in the meantime and then check that out awesome dude all also in preparation for mike flanagan's miniseries which i think is still filming they started filming a couple months ago it's either wrapped or in the middle of filming right now awesome i can't can't wait to see that me me neither man it's very exciting i should maybe read that story oh go for it please yeah um there's many copies of the library <laughs> perfect <laughs> shoot <Sure>. up <laughs> library man just so worth it it's like Love the it. netflix for books it is it's amazing <laughs> and if it didn't exist already it would be so impossible in a current political political climate to try to imagine instituting something like that yeah like all right we're going to socialize books and they're just going to be free for everyone. <laughs> I was like no you earn those if you want you go work and then you can read you can't just we're not going to why do i have to pay for poor people yeah. to read books <laughs> no books aren't free no yeah it would never it would like never happen yeah in a years. it has to already be there you're and totally right maybe we'll watch the erosion of them and have to go out and fight for its right but i'm so happy that it exists currently you heard it here first folks Libraries, libraries on their way out. a good thing <laughs> i guess that brings us to this dave in christory Ooh, what did we do on this dave chris three on this dave in christory we watched <laughs> autopsy of jane doe ah yeah huh. that was a year ago wow wow and i sent you a funny little picture of a german movie called the corpse of anna fritz that's also out which is basically the same movie <laughs> it might even be before it i'm not the sure the corpse of anna fritz it just- <laughs> <laughs> it just it sounds so funny in the context of the existence of the autopsy of jane yeah Doe. it sounds like somebody who couldn't remember the name yeah exactly <laughs> uh, what is that on uh, the corpse of anna fritz <laughs> the no. corpse of uh is anna fritz like the german like jane doe is there like a like a male like <laughs> arnold fritz is like their john doe or something they're john smith yeah, yeah anna smith anna fritz is the jane doe of germany <laughs> totally that's what they say like, uh, oh, it's, a, it's just another missing Anna Fritz Autopsy of Jane Doe The first thing that comes to my mind mm-hmm. Is the 
um, the bell on the toe, like the sound of the ah, nice the bell, nice, yeah, moving. That was the first time I was like, yes, yes, I love this. That's that's what I remember. That's a good one. For some reason, what popped in my head is the cat in the vent. Oh, <laughs> remember that cat? Did yeah. that cat die? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, cat goes down. Um, mm-hmm. Fuck, that was such a cool movie. And uh, there's another thing that I really loved. Oh, oh, another thing that really stands out about that movie, if there was like a second first thing. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a second, a second thing, thing you could call you could it. Call it yeah. <laughs> um, is, One might say. Is the weird, um, that final sequence, how like the math didn't work out where people were like coming down hallways and coming out of the elevator and stuff and going like back and forth. They should have passed each other. I remember that so clearly. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. And the rest of it did, you know? So those are the two things. Right. I remember just the fire explosion and them really desperately trying to just end the body. It was such a powerhouse performance just for the two of them. Mm -hmm. Like Brian Cox and Emil Hirsch. Like they, they did so good. It was such a hit last year. That was great. I really loved that one. Uh huh. Would you watch it today? Yes. Yeah, definitely. I'm not in the mood right now, but I am curious to revisit eventually. I'd do it. I'd have a great time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And knowing how it ends, like I didn't watch it a second time. So like all those little clues as they pull the stuff out of her body, it may be easier for me to make connections. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd probably be a fun rewatch. So I say yes, 100%. Cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, with that, I guess it's time to go to this movie. Yeah, Chris, you want to have a bit of a drink and watch... What are we watching today? May. May. May we? We may. Right on. Cheers. of your friends in. No, stop. Please stop. <laughs> Uh, that's making me actually quiver in my body. Yeah, the real creepy closing song credits. Ugh, fuck you, Lucky McKee. And it had like a lo-fi kind of sound to it as well. That was really it. Like it sounded like it was from a score of a horror movies of the eighties, not two thousand two. Yeah, yeah. But the rest of the soundtrack, notably, was clearly like a late nineties two thousand. Yep, pop punky <laughs> soundtrack. Yeah, exactly what you'd expect from the music mm-hmm. till that ending song. Well, they were also playing that, I think, when she was in the daycare for the first time. They were all singing it together. Ew. Yeah. All God. the kids were. Remember that glass scene where the kids are, blind kids are scrambling on shattered glass? Ugh. I mean, I had to swallow the nervous saliva in my mouth for that one. But yes, I remember when a bunch mm-hmm. of blind kids were crawling all over broken glass and she rubbed it into her eyes. Yes. Oof. I do remember that. Not not the grisliest things we've seen but still like a little little unsettling it yeah it isn't the grisliest thing that we've seen but like the whole movie i was like so like my shoulders were up just waiting for the thing to happen whatever it was Mm -hmm. and i didn't know like when she was gonna strike and do something bad to somebody's body part that they weren't ready for Mm -hmm. and she was just so weird like one of the better weird creepy performances I've ever seen yeah really great performance yeah Oh, oh my god i felt i felt pretty okay like the movie really has like a line down the middle from when she starts to mm-hmm. completely lose it to when she's just an asocial weirdo that first half yeah you know well it's it's her origin story she's discovering her inner killer or like her inner vice mm-hmm. that is she's like deeply disturbed it's her inability to socially connect because her mom poisoned her as a kid you know by saying like you got a weird eye people are gonna hate you gotta yeah. hide it 
you know hide your deformities yeah so that's where it all started and then over time the that com- developed into like really her uh scene perfection in not in holes but like yeah. in particular parts yeah. of individuals like the polar opposite of anna ferris's little comment which was you exactly know, imperfections yeah or what make you unique or special writing wise that was a great moment because she was almost disgusted by this mole on her hand because yeah. she was taught that her own imperfections was something to be ashamed of mm-hmm. yeah and not only to be ashamed of but people will not you won't make friends the only thing that you desire which is like this attention companionship and, and companionship yeah. to be seen yeah to be seen all these things you're not going to achieve that because of your eye or something imperfect about you the way she behaves when she like kisses too hard that's another thing that sets her off is because when people call her out for that thing for being strange or she's different. been conditioned to like yeah don't be different don't be weird don't stand out yeah. you'll never have friends so the second that she's called out on weird behavior it just sends her off yeah it's god you can i thought each time that that happened which is about a thousand times throughout the movie someone called her weird and she noticed mm-hmm. or she could pick up on it i'm like here we go it's about to start but they waited and waited and waited and they punished this poor girl so much like she kept failing and losing but the second she had a project the second she saw knew what she had to do she figured it out she was completely unfazed by any of the name calling like suddenly she didn't react at all yeah she will call her weird she just smile back and she's like i I know what i'm here to do yeah i'm learning that that that's true yeah i've got her mission here and she kills literally every other character we've met Uh uh-huh except (laughs) Except for the doctor (laughs) Which you could kill that lovable man. Oh man, that is that doctor is Doctor Nick of the veterinary world. Yeah, in this movie, <laughs> uh, she would live now because <laughs> he like, drops a hair inside a cat. Yeah, he's like, your fingers are smaller than mine, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Can you dig around in there and get it out? And, and then did. the story of not having the proper <laughs> stitches for a dog, so putting cat stitches in instead. Oh my god, that was such a creepy story. The way that she. How well, excited that was smiling. Yeah. How time. happy the story was. Yeah. Or how happy the story made her. And then mm-hmm. his just reaction of what is, what are you talking about? Fuck this. Okay. That's, and... that's why he's like a great character too, because he's also a weird dude. He makes mm-hmm. these weird movies that no one else would really overly yeah. approve of, or the general public would be kind of put off by. Sure. And that's why he kind of finds May interesting because mm-hmm. she's also, he perceives, oh, she's a little weird, but yeah. he bit, he bites off way, way more than he can chew. Oh well, yeah. You can never... You never anticipate that someone who's weird is full on going to stitch you into a Frankenstein monster. Yep. You can never tell that that's going to happen. But there's a lot of humor throughout this movie too. Like I thought it was very funny. And it was, yeah. Especially even in those awkward, weird encounters, like her just following him around, going to the restaurant, just watching him, sipping a tea, hoping that she'll look over at him. Yeah. Some of her, basically like her, um, what in another circumstance or another type of movie would be the awkward teen in high school doing the wrong thing and being embarrassed. Mm -hmm. Those scenes are funny. Yeah. You know, but for her, it's, those are all just, you know, drops in a bucket as she gets closer to becoming a murderer. Absolutely. What's the inciting incident? What, what is it that finally makes her decide that she has to go and cut up body parts? Like the, she kills the cat. Yeah. The cat is, but that's the first thing like I can murder people. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a very patient movie. A little taste for blood here and there. I I don't know when she bit him, like she wasn't ready to kill him. No, no, not at all. When a little bit dated special effects when she's in the bathtub and it keeps flashing in between the doll and her oh, on yeah, the phone. Yeah, yeah. Like that that's kind of dated, but I really the thought sound. the sound design was pretty good. Like mm-hmm. when the, the grass is the glass is cracking. It has that crackling Sounds sound great, that's like yeah. building and building and just driving her insane. And the voices really in her head that we yeah. hear as if they're almost in our head. Because yeah. they're so like 
softly delivered and just in like corners of the stereo yeah like that's another component of the sound design not just like interesting choice of sound effect like the way that it sounded in the room as you're watching it it's great it sounded like yeah the whispers of kids on the wind like Mm -hmm. help me that bullshit when the the glass was breaking that was so weird guy making out in the elevator yeah that's that's lucky mcgee that's lucky mcgee that's he inserted himself in his movie as the guy making out in the elevator that keep is just like what Jeez, every and, time May wants to take an elevator. Wow, and the like, what you'd call that guy? Like, if you just had to name him for a movie for credits, you'd just call him Lucky. You know, like that's just <laughs> <laughs> it's like the easiest thing to call. Him. Fuck, fucking Lucky. What do we call McGee. the guy? He's just making it out all the time in the elevator. Oh, Lucky, I guess. He's a Lucky just McGee. Lucky. <laughs> and then Lucky McGee was like, "I'm going to change my name to that." <laughs> like during the making of his own movie. movie. Yeah. He changed his name to a suggestion someone made about like an extra- about the character he wrote for himself. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Lucky McGee is like I think that's the cheesiest fake name I've heard. Mm-hmm. Like Mick G is another one. He's like a bigger director. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I-, I can't even name the movies he's done. I think he did the Babysitter. That's the most recent one. Yeah, that one's pretty popular. But right it, now. it can't trump Lucky McGee. Yeah, McGee. I like Scoot McNeary. Scoot- <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He's fun. Scoot McNair is a good one, but that's just kind of a good scoot. Name. Yeah, <laughs> call someone scoot. And whoever, it's also an adjective within a like a bizarre sounding last name. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it just it's a weird combination. Or I should find this and find out who it actually is because it's just so funny. But whoever this woman's name is, whose last name is Cappuccino. Yeah, something like Jennifer Cappuccino. Was that one of the cast members in the not the gate? It's not we one we watched. No, it was. Um, oh, you were researching for a different one that for we a different watched. movies that you and I were talking about. I don't remember what they were called. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. someone's last name Cappuccino. I just find that so funny. <laughs> yeah, Cappuccino. Okay. Um, was I had a thing? He loves all the children. He <laughs> stabbed all the parents. <laughs> You love me singing the song. It's I can't think of anything else that's happening. It's like there's a fire. You just can't think about anything else. Got to deal with the fire. It's maddening. It's so maddening. That's that's what's reminding yeah. me most with this movie is that Jarring. insane song. Yeah, <laughs> I hate it so much, and it's making me forget all the things about the movie. The doll is. It's weird that the doll didn't have some kind of final act. You know what I mean? Like, didn't have some final moment in the movie. Like, it was such an instrumental part for her at the beginning. This is her one companion and friend that her mom also who had i mean terrible effect on raising this child yeah but the doll was another big part of it and then doing the show and tell taking the doll home then the doll just kind of gets sidelined for everything i wish there was some way that the doll was incorporated with the zombie at the end or the frankenstein monster at the end um just just something to tie it to it well that's something to talk about because um do you think that um the breaking of the glass sound and the um, they're her seeming to talk to the doll and those voices and the thing at the very end kind of r- raising its hand up. Do you think that's all real or that was all in her head? Yeah, um, I very much think this could have been like a supernatural possessed doll movie. Like you could have even tied something mm-hmm. into the mother and oh, the mother had this thing with the doll too. Sure. That's why, like the origins of that. Yeah, some serial killer is a like dying act. It could have been that. Yeah, especially the first two thirds of the movie is built up for an ending that would have that. But I don't think that it came there i think ultimately it's just those are in her head like it's her inner voices that she's projecting onto the doll i agree 100 percent. and that's sort of what i think is so amazing about this movie is that like we're seeing an augmented reality that never gets theoretically that mm-hmm. an augmented version of reality that never gets checked or 
put into reality when she smiles at the end and that zombie hand is like rubbing on her face. Yeah. I don't think that's happening. No. Um, but I think she like what she needed exactly. was to manifest those, I don't know, these fucked up things. Of course, I, I think she was... just killed six people or whatever to make this thing to give her companionship and then sacrificed her eye. So she needed yeah. to manifest for herself Somebody an affirmation it. from this monster that she created that like, yes, I see you. It's okay. There was a reason why you did this. Yeah. And I was getting this like sort of metaphor um, throughout the movies. Like, no, she can't come out. She doesn't come out. She's special. And I was like taking that as like her inner killer was like encased in a boxing glass. Mm. And when she finally dropped it on the floor and it broke open that I, like I feel that. like I that like might that. not be a full on inciting incident, but I think that might be the closest thing to it. Um, whereas at that moment, that was when the blood all happened. That's when she got the stuff in her eyes and ever since ever since then she started killing people yeah i think that might have been where that's a nice yes moment of symbolism i think that was it yeah yeah Yeah. and i think there's something about she was containing that part of herself and she's letting loose but it's not it's not out of revenge and it's not out of just a lust for blood psychologically snaps because her mom if you remember early in the movie was like always leave her in her case so when she yeah. was broken out of that case, that mechanism just snapped in her brain and yeah. freed for all of these other aspects to be opened. Yeah. If <laughs> she can come out, what yeah. else can come out kind of thing? Also, like the doll parts and the fabric, even the sewing, we saw a tiny bit about, or we saw a tiny bit of activity of her actually sewing. Mm-hmm. She sewed May like into that dress. Yeah. Um, but we didn't really get like any reason or further um, explanation about why she just had all these like loose doll parts around. Like she had essentially like yeah, you're a right. shelf of just doll objects you know and uh, that made up the opening shot of these doll pieces just falling. falling i think they maybe intended that to be a much more of an aesthetic to probably yeah, show us yeah. her like frankensteining a doll parts together and getting the yeah. idea or something i totally but it just it, it i don't not, think it was that effective they yeah. didn't do anything with it and then they tried to parallel that or double down on it with in that scene where she's now making clothes for her monster mm-hmm. they're showing like fabrics like just fabrics floating yeah. with yeah, a black backdrop. It just so they changed cheesy. the aesthetic. That was very cheesy. It felt like uh, a much um, less intelligent approach to like what um, Sean Byrne did in Devil's Candy with showing us so much painting, mm-hmm. like really, really close up oil painting stuff in like montages with music over top. Totally. That's like... Right. He's kind of... Because there, that's the paint is an extension of that character. Yeah. These fabrics are an extension of that character. And she's but... going to end up sewing this thing together. And I think that's the... Mm-hmm. It just did just not aesthetically. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It was awkward. And you're like, this is silly. But you're you're totally right that it's a similar similar idea, I think, behind both. Yeah. yeah the, I think just less masterfully, it was sort of try they tried to weave it into the story mm-hmm. or into the visual presentation of the story. But yeah, it didn't come off as coherent. It's polished. Yeah. Or or as beautiful to watch someone paint with oil paints. Like that's just Oh, that's like my favorite beautiful. part of that movie. And with those scenes. Metal behind that versus like soft mm-hmm. or like weird. <laughs> that's what sticks with me but it was like a lot of just pop punk from yeah, the early 2000s pop punk that's exactly right yeah like all all these movies i mean mm-hmm. yeah it was interesting to see a 2000 late 90s one that i haven't seen because it just mm-hmm. this moment is so just like every kind of half decade i guess has such a signature flair to it like it's yeah. so oh, yeah, clearly yeah. of its time yeah i like that it's like when you're using that kind of pop punk music it's like you get easy easy like adrenaline and acceleration for a new scene mm-hmm um, they just at the end of a scene they could just go and then boom a cut new outfit new place new night and something is happening totally and that's just a good way to go like oh, okay new scene let's do it let's do it mm-hmm. and like that happened like seven eight ten times like a ton of times it totally did but for those same reasons and like because that is kind of that signature pace of yeah, that yeah. era but for the same reasons i feel like 
if you had a more kind of consistent score, like if that creepy end theme was done in different variations throughout the film and the composer of that was mm-hmm. doing a lot of different things, then the movie may have crept under our skin a little bit more. Yeah. Like it wouldn't have been as fun and lighthearted with electric guitars doing power chords. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think it could have, it could have benefited a lot from like dead silence to a few jarring little strings here and there mm-hmm. rather than just pressing play on like a stereo and here's a song that's the epitome of all these like yeah. i know we did last summer scream yeah. it's pressing play on a stereo yeah, yeah, yeah there are moments i shouldn't say that because i think scream has a lot of original score behind it as well it but does. there's still hits yeah, yeah. there's the, a soundtrack that you can play at a party yeah yeah and it's it does seem like they're it's a tool that they use to artificially give you a little speed or acceleration at certain points when they need it absolutely or to misdirect like a murder's happening so they need loud music in another room to show that these people don't hear it or whatever it Mm -hmm. is like it's usually used as a vehicle rather than stylistic like i felt like with sean burns like metal in his movies yeah it kind of just that's behind stuff it's not taking you somewhere it's just in the scene yeah so i don't know but I, I do I do really appreciate this super creepy weird performance and character. Performance like is where there are no I have no criticism. That's the strength of this movie. Very, very strong performances. Yeah. And like even like even from the other people around her. Yeah, Anna Ferris or Anna Ferris, she's she's great at playing characters who are a little oblivious about what's going on. Like mm-hmm. that dose of obliviousness. Yeah. She's just so great at hammering that home. And yeah. she does it here in such a satisfying way. Yeah, and she's just trusting May yeah she just butters up another component of her personality which is a super sultry like likes to have fun kind of person mm-hmm. and she lets all the weird stuff around it go like you see someone like cutting up their own thumb or something with a scalpel she takes it as kink yeah you probably don't forgive them right away in the same way like that guy she brought home saw the cat in the freezer <laughs> and he's not prepared to let it go <laughs> he's like no i gonna be your friend yeah. That's insane. Although, what's more insane? Having a cat in your freezer or using an entire bottle of gel on your hair in one fell swoop? That's close. But I'd say under the circumstances, the cat freezer. Mm. My parents tried to put our dog in a freezer one time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When it was still alive. No. <laughs> when our dog died, they're like, we'll just keep it in the freezer till the summer. And all three of us were like, no, you're not keeping Harry in the freezer. Like, like a different, a spare freezer or whatever. Yeah. Another. Yeah. And I'm like... No, don't put the dog in the freezer. Pay to get him cremated or something. But I don't want to like open the thing to, for ice cream and there to be a bag with Harry, my childhood companion. Yeah, we that happened to us with my sister's rabbit. Oh yeah, yeah. And, but it stayed in our freezer for so long because she couldn't <laughs> she couldn't commit to where to bury it and to actually going through with that process. So for oh. a very very long period of months, there was a rabbit in our freezer, and thankfully. Only my sister loved it. So me and my brother just opened, moved it, took the things we needed. Uh, I'm so <laughs> glad that my story wasn't the more fucked up one. Yeah. Like that you thought were I'd right jump with in me. On, yeah. <laughs> and I think May is just bringing this out in us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just taking this kind right. of behavior as normal and acceptable yeah. and something that people would want to listen to. Yeah. Well, I mean. We just lost 50 subscribers. <laughs> well. And gain some funky new ones. Yeah. Don't let the door hit you on the way out, guys. And Don't let the freezer door hit you on the way out. <laughs> oh this is this is a weird one it was it was very strange i do really i think i really enjoyed it i really i really liked it because like it's not something i would choose to watch on my own but i think the whole time there was something for me to be suspicious of and like what's gonna happen next Mm -hmm. i knew generally where it was gonna go right 
um, very pieces vibe. We kind of talked about that. Oh, absolutely. So strange to watch these two things close together. So strange. Yeah. Um, I had no idea that that was, that this movie was that, that mm-hmm. it was someone who pieces together body parts. I yeah. mentioned Frankenstein at the top, but that was only because I had read it somewhere this morning. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that that was what May was. I thought it was just a serial killer. Yeah. Female. I thought it was just kind of cool slasher, but then yeah. it happened to be so thematically similar to a movie we just watched. That's so strange. Yeah. It would but, make a good double feature, I think. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, we kind of did that. It's, it's cool. Almost, yeah. yeah. Um, here's a little... You want some cool trivia, Chris? About uh, this movie? This movie? Yeah. Sure. You got some trivia facts? I got one little one that's kind of fun. Um, one of the editors in this movie. Mm-hmm. You're never going to guess who it is. Um, I know Flanagan edited things in the early 2000s, but those more reality TV. Mm-hmm. Who but was it? It was uh, Rian Johnson. Oh, of Star Wars: The Last Jedi fame. I think it's Ryan. Ryan, Ryan Johnson. Ryan, Ryan. It's just spelt. It's just a weird way of spelling Ryan. Uh, should I? Should I maybe send him like an email? I think he spelled his name wrong on the mm, credits. You should probably let him know. <laughs> and on IMDb and every other film project he's done. Oh, whoops! No, and send his send his parents an email for being like, "What are you? What are you trying to do? You think your kid's going to be more unique and cool because it's Ryan? Yeah. You're just going to confuse generations of podcasters. Your kid is a typo." <laughs> Who made a lovely Star Wars film? Absolutely, did a pretty good job editing May mm-hmm. 2002. Yeah, yeah. that was kind of cool. Yeah, there's some yeah crazy. It's cool to, to go see, backwards and like accidentally run into people, see who, where people started and yeah. projects that they were involved in. Yeah, we accidentally stumbled across what this guy was doing before Star Wars, which I just saw. This is yeah. awesome. Edited and no complaints with the editing. No, none at all. Yeah, that was great. Um, I really enjoyed it. I think that's a, a final note that I can put on that is I thought that was a really good movie. Cool. I wouldn't give it a four out of four. Yeah. Like some people. Yeah. I'd probably rank it somewhere between two and a half to three because yeah. I did. I did really. I did really appreciate this lead actress. I can't believe I haven't seen her in more things because mm-hmm. she's so good. She, and just Jesus, she the good? weirdness is so compelling. But like you said, I really did see the whole movie almost from the top, like and where it was going to yeah. go. But it was still fun to watch um, how how it would unfold specifically, like yeah, how each it, character, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. how is she ultimately going to get the hands off of that guy? Yeah, how is she ultimately going to yeah, get exactly. the neck off of this character? So it was it was kind of fun to watch in almost like a popcorny way for that those reasons. Yeah, there's that, and like she's using these scalpels to kill people for the most part mm-hmm. in pretty sweet ways, like the kills that she gets um, as like a throwaway kill. The guy who comes to her house. She stabs through his two hands and his forehead to kill him. Yeah. Awesome. With a pair of scissors, yeah. which is nuts. The double throat or the double like throat slice yep. of, of Anna Ferris. Awesome. And then the two to the temple. Two to the temple. That's nuts. Uh, Wow. That was so cool. Watching the blood fill up the milk was pretty satisfying. Yep. That was that was just a really cool shot. Um, he finally agrees to touch her face after she's there and weird. She grabs his wrist and then quickly stabs her. Yeah. Like the, that was, that was very unexpected. So good. So like, cool. What's going to happen? What's, oh, he's, she's going to kill her? Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. And then just a real quick cut, and she's just got that bloody cooler and just drags it into the house. What a perfect time to drag corpses around. Halloween. Halloween. Genius. So genius. She walks past that person on the street in full costume. Love your costume. Got cold ones in there. If anything, I wanted like a wider shot of that. I want to yeah. see her like from a distance dragging that cooler yeah. down with blood and a little bit of blood like trailing on the sidewalk. That would have been very... Very satisfying. That would have been kind of like quirky. I think they were going for yeah. like she's really unhinged at this moment. I think I think it is kind of a quirky movie too. Like I do think there is a levity throughout this whole movie. Her, her response yeah. to got any cold ones in there? Mm-hmm. Couple or whatever she said. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 
<laughs> that newfound confidence once once yeah. she snaps is so pleasing to watch. Exactly, that's so cool. You mm-hmm. know, Chris loves a, a an underdog story. <laughs> um, but not, yeah. not when those underdogs are <laughs> keeping cats in the freezer and want <laughs> yeah. specifically a neck from a person. That, there's something so disturbing about that. Like mm-hmm. not just the head and or like above the shoulders, but yeah. I want from below your chin to above your sternum. Like, yeah that area that's that's you you get less possessive of things that can be accidentally lopped off in an accident you know you can lose a foot and you go like ugh, i don't like that Mm -hmm. like you lose a neck and having having to cut out your own eye i'm sure that in 2002 that was much more effective we've had a lot of eye things happen since 2002 that have showed way more graphic detail i'm Mm -hmm. thinking about the first hostile movie yeah that's an insane eye moment that's really like really gets you in the stomach bad yeah, um, and but, one of the best, um, the very, very best eye things that ever happens is, welcome back to Dave's Game Corner, mm-hmm. um, from Dead Space 2. Dead <laughs> Space 2 has one of the single, you're probably not anywhere near it. Not there um, yet. It has one of the single greatest eye things, and you have to do it. It's this machine that has a needle, mm-hmm. and you got to put it in your own pupil, and you're controlling the machine. But it's like it moves fast and it's hard. And you don't. So it's wanna... like one of those kind of mini games you have to kind, beat kind to of, advance. Yeah, kind of like that. But you just see Isaac's terrified face and the needle <laughs> slowly going down. But the ship is like falling apart, so it's all shaking around crazy. And you can screw it up, and it is horrific. Yeah, I mean, just judging from the first one, that game does not yeah. spare on gore. If there's a moment, an opportunity to show some gore, it's going to yeah. deliver. Yeah. So uh, I would recommend to any of the scaredy cats who don't know or, or are not willing to play it, YouTube the Dead Space 2 eye scene. Uh, it's horrible and awesome. Cool. Yeah. I might just have to do that. One day you'll play it. I would advise against it. <laughs> I will. It's been really distracting having the Super Nintendo around. Take your time. Take your time. And the Xbox. <laughs> really distracting. Right. You have a life you're trying to build. Trying trying to finish a degree and get a career going, but these video games are just but Chris, way more fun. There's Igor to be considered. I know. <laughs> uh, meet deadlines or get Igor. <laughs> Igor. Frankenstein. Bam. Full circle. You follow me there? That was like a weird, like, that was like a star. Igor. Igor. Frankenstein. Oh, Fra- I was just like Frankenstein's a horror thing. Sure, that way. Oh no, wait! They chop Igor. up the yeah, yeah, I, yeah. In this movie, yeah. I didn't get the Frankenstein to this movie gotcha, connection because gotcha. I'm really stupid. It's okay. <laughs> you made it in the end. The easiest connection to make. <laughs> Thanks for that recommendation, anonymous. Uh, let us know who you are. Comment on this post and just uh, or send us a message because mm-hmm. yeah, I we really we had fun watching this one. Yeah, that was a good, really good choice. And like I've researched it a million times, but I've never sat down and watched it. That's a great, great reason to do it because someone's like, you know what, do it. It's it's on the list. It's always out there. People bring it up. I'm happy now to say that we we have done that. We've done it. Yeah. Thank you so much for the recommendation. Loved it. All right. Let's go to Instagram comments. Instagram, Instagram comments. Instagram. Stop it. Wait, I'm losing it. What's the song again? I want you to forget. No, don't play it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do Instagram comments in the style of that, but whatever. Instagram comments. Boom. On Killing Ground, Blink 31. Blink 31. Because Blink 1 through 30 and 32 through 182 were taken. <laughs> Blink 31 says, you guys did a good job covering this. Thank you. Just saw this a few mm. weeks ago. I thought it was pretty intense and really good. Great. Those are pretty much echo our sentiments about that movie. That's about it. It's a lovely a lovely surprise for, yeah. for us. Don't bother listening to that episode because that's about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice summary. <laughs> uh, also on our Killing Ground um, post from Two Bretts. Um, one two brett's a comment on you that's what we said now 
Excuse me, sir. How many Bretts do you have? Uh, two Bretts. I assume that's where that comes from. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Brit. <clears throat> Brit. From Play the Concords. Um, watched this a few weeks ago. It was pretty good, but there were a couple times when I was like, okay, you probably could have escaped just then. Also, the final shot kind of threw me off because I didn't quite understand the look his wife was the wife was giving the husband in the hospital. Was she upset? He didn't stick around or relieved they made it out. Her facial expression was hard to read on that one. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's kind of what I love about the ending is that they don't tell you. They give her this moment of like reflecting on everything that just happened when she looked at him. Yeah, Brett and Brett. That was, we felt like that was kind of the point yeah, of guys. that look. <laughs> that it was like an ambiguous look and she yeah. was just like, what am I going to do with you? Like, we just yeah. got engaged, but you cl- like, I can't believe you did this to me. Yeah, you watch a movie like that, and then the protagonist basically walks into a room, l- locks eyes with you know her partner, mm-hmm. and she's got all this stuff boiling on her face. And as a viewer, they don't tell you anything. You get to just think about it. And the things that you can pick up from that, or that we did, was like, you left me behind. You didn't save the baby. You ran, but then you were there with me through the end of it. You, you yelled, like, "You got to kill him." There's so many, so such a long monologue in that single glance. In that look, and that you can't ask for anything better than that. No. If if they had told us, if she had said something right after that, would have been worse. Yeah, it would have neutered the effect of that scene. No, it's uh, so powerful and such mm. a great use of restraint. Yeah, in the writing and in the acting. Yeah, lovely. I, I've been thinking about that movie a lot. Yeah, about Killing Ground. I, it's been lingering I, for me as well. I loved it. <laughs> And in terms of a couple times where they could escape, this just shows Brett and Brett that you are a perfect horror movie audience because that's what yeah. horror filmmakers want from their audience to say, like, like, no, run, run, what are you doing? right now. Yeah. And, like, I did think that, too, at the start, but it's a little unfair because they have nothing to suspect yeah. about these guys at first. Yeah. Like, they could have like, taken, insisted that they drive the baby to the hospital, but you're not... Yeah. When you meet a stranger, yeah. you know, you can always just shoot them in the head. That's true. And then you, if they were a murder, they're not going to kill you. It could be the safest way to go. It could be. But generally, that doesn't happen. That's not how we behave. Yeah. And that's why even when we watched that movie, I talked about how, like, I don't feel comfortable talking to strangers about this. Because yeah. this movie, <laughs> that movie is the epitome of, like, you never know how horrible the people are that you're interacting. And we, yeah. it's, it's our nature to kind of just be trusting of one another that we meet in those kind of ran in any random situation. Yeah. You're not going to assume that they're going to kill you. You assume like, Oh no, we, it is a good thing to check if their parents are dying because yeah, if they're dying, then we can help them and save their lives as well. Yeah, altruism. It's important for our survival as, you know, a, a group species. Yeah. You know, it's also like, a great way that a serial killer can just get another victim. Exactly. Cause a serial killer does not care about uh-huh. other people. People do. People do. <laughs> So anyways, thanks, Brett and Brett and... And Blink31. Uh, is it Blink or is it Bink? Oh, shit. <laughs> there goes my Blink182 joke. Uh, yeah, it's Bink31. What's Blink182? Do you mean Bink182? What's Bink182? It's a great band. Are they? Yeah, they're so good. Oh. <laughs> they're the band that sings all the big things and... Yeah, that's Bink182. You do oh, know yeah, Bink182. Yeah. I know Bink182. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. This is such a dumb podcast. Why are you listening? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right. Are you talking to me or listeners? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been another fun episode of the Text Chris Dave Saw Massacre. Thanks for listening as always. I'm Chris Vandenberg. And I'm David Stoneberg. And like we usually say, Chaos reigns, chaos reigns, chaos reigns, chaos reigns. She'll stab you in both temples. Chaos reigns. See you in hell, scaredy cat. Nice gabs. Gams? Yep. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> nice gabs. Nice gabs it is. <laughs>